Yes, Lord, we feel you in our heart tonight. We feel the moving of your spirit amongst us, and we're grateful. Lord, we ask you to pour more of your blessing on our lives, more of your spirit, and more of your word inside us. Almighty Father, we come to you tonight boldly because of the blood of Jesus. We have nothing of ourselves to boast in, but we do boast in the Lord and the goodness of God and the graciousness of God and the mercy of God that has called us out of darkness into light. We worship you, Father. We proclaim your glorious greatness and majesty. You're above all things, behind all things. All things come from you. We are your children, bought by the blood of your Son. So pour out your glory, Lord, your blessing on our lives. Impart revelation into our hearts that we might see you as you really are. And draw us by your Holy Spirit close to you. Give us eyes that can see what the Spirit is doing and ears that hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Make us a sensitive people, Lord. Not oversensitive, but the right sensitivity to hear your word. And do your work in our lives, Lord. You that begun a good work, we'll complete it. We'll finish it. We have ups, we have downs. But you remain the same. You never change. You're always on our side, always for us, always ready to help, to guide. And so we thank you, Lord. We come with thanksgiving to you tonight and recognition not only of who you are, but what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. You're the Alpha and the Omega. Thank God you didn't just start it all, but you're already there standing at the finishing line. You've already completed your work in the Spirit and you're manifesting it on the earth today. There are no surprises to you. You know everything before it takes place. You know the end before the beginning. You have completed your work, the finished work of Christ. And from that place of absolute, total victory, we ask that you will help us down here on earth, Lord, to manifest your plans, to bring forth that which you have desired and cause us to be a people worthy of your name, that own your name, your word. Lord, put your word in our lips, put fire in our hearts, cleanse us, separate us from Babylon, pull us out from Sodom and Gomorrah like you pulled out Lot, and take us to the promised land blessing, a holiness, presence of the Holy Spirit, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven amongst men and women, the kingdom of heaven in our hearts, the kingdom of heaven in our lives, the kingdom of heaven in our prayers, and the kingdom of heaven in our choices on a daily basis. Citizens from heaven, Lord, that's what we are pilgrims in a foreign land, that's what we are. Lord, let us not get too cozy with this foreign land. 
because our citizenship is in the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's where we belong and that's where we minister out of. So do great things inside our lives. Cause us to mature and grow. We don't want to stay the same. We certainly don't want to go back. We want to move forward from glory to glory to glory by the work of the Spirit. Upwards, upwards and higher in the spiritual thing. let your blessing rest on us Lord you're forging yourself an end time people let us be part of that we pray in Jesus name Amen, Amen please take your seats welcome to our Holy Spirit ministry service, good to see you here and we're going to move on in the service very quickly but just like to make sure if you haven't had our revival times, our monthly magazine. Lift your hand right now and we'll get that to you. Uh, let's you know everything that's taken place in the course of this month, although not in the revival. Oh, I think it is actually. This Wednesday evening, we're having a special Cell Leaders Net gathering. And our senior minister, Colin Dye, will be leading that. We're hoping to have some great testimonies about what God is doing in our cells and some great testimonies and report back from the cell mission to Romania. So that's for all cell leaders this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Now, if you're not a cell leader and you want to come, you're very welcome. But we will be focusing on some of the very important initiatives that are going on in our cells right now. And, um, and also as we are preparing for Easter. One of the initiatives that is going on in our cell groups is our new Cell group prayer diary and Bible reading plan. It's free. It's for everybody that wants one. Even if you're a visitor, if you'd like to take one of these, it's there for you. If you prefer PDFs, you can go on our homepage and download this. And this is the fuel to fuel our prayer right through June. And what we've done is we've taken specific things that God is doing amongst us, specific prophecies, and we have put them in this prayer guide. Uh, the evangelist praying for people to get saved, it's all in here. Every focus of the church is in this prayer diary, and we ask you to use it on a daily basis. There's a daily prayer notes, and it's wonderful to know that right across the city and even across the world, people are praying the same thing, united, concentrated prayer across the city. This is also the prayer fuel for our early morning prayer meetings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, here, 6.30 to 8.30, if you'd like to come to that. And also in our cell groups, we should, cell leaders, we should always have this available, and we should always pray for some aspect in this. One of the most important roles that you have, cell leaders, is to ensure and encourage that your cell members are in the Word every day and in prayer every day. And there is a Bible reading plan here that if you follow it, will take you around the Bible in the year. But if you, if, if you don't like this Bible reading plan, we've got um, examples and ideas of Bible reading plans you can get on your phones and all these types of things. So this really is to help us uh, take forward. If you are new or relatively new to Kensington Temple and perhaps you're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take steps to settle down here at KT, we've got a welcome bag that we'd like to give you. It's got a few goodies in it, but it's also got a lot of information. If you'd like one of these, just lift your hand. And the red hands will find you. Not some communist sort of group, but 
These red hands will find you. They have red hands so you can see them. And also at the end of the service, they put those red hands up so that uh, uh, if you want to talk to us at the end, ask a few questions. You know, what do I do? What's available for me? We'd love to help you um, with that. Thanks, Chris. Very good evening to you, KT. I sense an air of victory here this evening in the church. Amen. Turn to the neighbor to your left and say, I'm victorious. Amen. Well, let's continue on in victory this evening. And let's honor God with our tithes and offerings. And if you need an envelope here this evening, then please do raise your hands. And one of our stewards will kindly facilitate that for you. Let's continue to honor God. Let's continue to apply the principles of the kingdom. Let's continue to live in line with him and to bless him. And it is incredible that in turn, he pours out his blessings unto us. Amen. Who knows here that God created all things? Amen. And we know that everything that we need on this earth is already here and provided for us by our Father. Psalm 50.10 states, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. He states in Genesis that the world and the fullness are mine. And he reminds us in Haggai 2.8 that the silver and gold are the Lord's. And all of this, God handed over to our first Adam. And he said to him, Adam, this is all yours. You go, have rulership over all that I've made. And we know that Adam there committed high treason. He sold out to Satan. He was deceived with Eve. And he handed all that dominion over to Satan. And Satan became the God, small g, of this world. But then, our Lord Jesus Christ, the master plan of our Heavenly Father, sent him, and he brushed Satan aside, and he took back all that was rightfully the Father's. And he took back all that was rightfully ours. And he said to us, Come, my children, come, enter in. I have taken it all back for you. And now I give it all back unto you. For those who believe in me and walk in my ways shall have eternal life. All your needs are met here on earth through my Father and through me. And as you apply my principles and live according to my kingdom, you shall not want or lack. So we don't, we need to live in the fullness and know our authority and our positioning in Christ. And what the enemy does through the sons of disobedience, and as the word states that we perish for lack of knowledge in not knowing these basic truths, it says in Hosea 4.6, people perish 
for lack of knowledge. But we're not going to perish for lack of knowledge in this place. We rise up with the authority in Christ Jesus. And we don't pray, but we command in the name of Jesus that our finances shall be released. We say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, release my finances now in the name of Jesus. Loose my needs right now in the name of Jesus. He is an imposter. He is a liar. And we are victorious in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's give him a round of applause. Come on. We stand in our dominion. We are a royal priesthood. We are kings. We are lords. We advance his kingdom with authority. We command and we speak those things into being that are not. Psalm 34 says that they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Let's rise to our feet. And I want you to take your offering in your hand this evening. And I want you to visualize right now all that you're expectant of, all the needs that you have in your life right now. I want you to see it. I want you to visualize it as if it is. Because we call those things that aren't as if they are. With the eye of faith, see it done. And we're going to pray over your tithes and we're going to pray over your offerings this evening. And we're going to trust and we're going to know that the Lord is going to meet all your needs. We're going to let faith, patience and faith have its perfect word that you're complete and lacking nothing. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every gift. I thank you for every giver here this evening in this place. Lord, I thank you as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I thank you that all things shall be added unto us. We shall not want any good thing. We are kings and priests. We are a royal priesthood. And we command in the name of Jesus right now for those finances, for those provision for our needs, for our wants to be met right now in the name of Jesus. Let's give him a clap offering. Let's praise him as if it's done. Let's see it. Let's declare the victory. Thank you, Jesus. Give him all the glory.
turn to Acts chapter 15 and verse 13. Acts 15 and verse 13. This month at the five o'clock service and also in some of these evenings, we've been focusing on the subject of the priesthood of all believers and specifically the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek of which Jesus is the high priest. And I want to linger on this theme uh, this month so that we can get it deep in our spirits. You know, sometimes you can address something in one sermon, and, uh, but it doesn't establish it. You have to revisit these truths, especially if they're truths that are quite new to, to some of you. And um, the, the teaching of the priesthood of all believers, if you... Speak to somebody that's done theology and you say, what is the priesthood of all believers? What does that represent? They'll normally say, ah, you're talking about a Reformation truth. Uh, And the Reformation truth in a time 
where priestcraft reigned, where you could only get forgiveness of sins through a priest, where you could pay money to get sins forgiven, where the sacrifice of the mass was reigning and only certain priestly men, ordained priests could do it. And the Reformation blew all that thing away, thank God, and declared that all believers can go directly to God and his presence for forgiveness. The priesthood of all believers. All believers have direct access to God and they don't need any human intermediate, intermediate priest to go through to get that. And that's a very foundational truth, I, I admit. But it's not even the beginning of what the New Testament is talking about when it says that we are a royal priesthood in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. A holy nation called from darkness to light and to declare God's mercy. The, the doctrine of the priesthood of believers, this is one of the most important end-time truths that there are because more than you are anything, you are a priest if you're a believer here today. You are a priest with a priestly ministry. We're all priests. It doesn't matter if we're male or female or Greek or Gentile or Jew. If, you're, if you believe in Christ, you are a priest and that is your primary ministry on earth. And we've been looking today at the five o'clock on the priestly ministry to God. And RT is going to be with us next week at the five o'clock and seven o'clock service. And then after that, the next Sunday, we'll look at our priestly ministry to the world. But I want to talk a little bit more about the priestly ministry of Melchizedek in the book of Acts. Because I want you to see that your priestly ministry is about every part of your life. It's not just a doctrine or an interesting thing to talk about. So here, in Acts chapter 15, this is a key moment in the history of the church in the book of Acts. It's key. It's the Council of Jerusalem. What's just happened is thousands of Gentiles are streaming into the kingdom through the ministry of Paul. In chapter 14, the, the uh, uh, Gentile mission has just taken off. And he comes back to Antioch and they're saying the Gentiles are getting saved and miracles are taking place. It's, the gospel is being preached and non-Jews are believing. And most people are celebrating except a few legalistic Jewish believers. And they're saying, well, they need to get circumcised then immediately. That They need to become Jewish. They need to stop eating pork. They need to stop eating bacon. They, they, they need to, to, to come under the Levitical priesthood and the law of Moses. They, they, need, they need to obey the, the, the priesthood of Levites. And Paul said, rubbish, nonsense, absolutely not. God has cleansed their hearts by faith. It's got nothing to do with circumcision. It's got nothing to do with Levitical priesthood. They are free from the law and under grace. And there was a battle, and so they had to take it to Jerusalem to sort out. And that's what you read in Genesis 15, and it's a marvelous passage in Peter, who is the first to bring the Gentiles, it was a one-off, the first fruits, the apostle to the Jews, was the first to bring the first fruits of the Gentiles in when the Holy Spirit fell on them as he was preaching to them. And he said, we don't need to give them the law. They don't need to be under the Levitical priesthood. They don't need to be circumcised. God cleansed their hearts by faith and gave them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. 
And then James, the half-brother of Jesus and the elder and leader of the Jerusalem church, sums up here in verse 13 what is actually taking place. He says, And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at, at the first visited the Gentiles to take them out, to take of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild the tent of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles that are called by my name, says the Lord who does all of these things. And what James is doing is he is quoting from Amos and he is quoting this prophecy that the rebuilding of the tent, it's not tabernacle, if your, if your uh, translation says tab tabernacle, it's not tabernacle, it, the Greek word is tent, and it's certainly not house, it's tent, a normal tent, that's important. And he's quoting from Amos that says, when David's tent is set up again, when it's restored, the Gentiles are going to come streaming in just before the end time, final end time revival amongst the Jews. And James is saying, this is what's happening. This is the, tab the tent of David. And what is he talking about? I mentioned this last week, but I want to go over it briefly again. Well, the tent of David was set up in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. I'm not going to go to it because I went there last week, and you can always watch it on our, on our webpage. But 1 Chronicles 13, you may know the story. The first thing that David wanted to do as a king, was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Because the Ark represented, indeed was, the presence of God on earth at that time. Of course, God is everywhere, and, but, but that, that was a special place. That was where his glory was in the midst of Israel. First thing David did when he was king, I want to bring it up. And they tried to bring it up the first time, but there was a disaster. Somebody put their hand to steady the Ark when the oxen stumbled and died. And David said, right, just leave it. And they left it in someone's house, and there was a great blessing there. And David was concerned because he thought, how can I, if only I, I mean, he doesn't say this in Scripture, but I believe this is what was in his heart. He's saying, how can I bring this temple up? If only I was a priest of Levi, then I could carry it myself. But I'm not a Levitical priest. I'm of the house of Judah. So how can I act in a priestly function? That's what I want to be. I want, David wanted long to be a priest. I want to be a priest. How can I be a priest when I'm not a Levite? If I touch it, I will die. And it was left there for a while. And that's when I believe that God gave David a Melchizedek revelation. Psalm 110. One of the most quoted scriptures in the whole of the New Testament, again and again and again, in fact, probably the most quoted scripture in the New Testament. Let's just read it together. This was a revelation that he had after he couldn't bring the ark up and was concerned and was angry with the Lord. He was frustrated with the Lord because of this death. And I believe that 
as he was ministering to the Lord, God gave him this psalm as a revelation. and He saw in the spirit and it says, Yahweh said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. Sorry, till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, that's amazing. If we go back to Genesis 14, 17, I'm going to just read that passage on Melchizedek again in case we've got new people here today. David had a revelation. thought, hey, wait a second. I may not be a Levitical priest, Genesis 14, 17. I may not be a Levitical priest, but there's another priesthood. And you don't have to be from Levi to be in it. It's the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, who was Melchizedek? He was Abraham's priest, priest of God Most High. And when Abraham had rescued Lot and had defeated the kings, he met with this high priest from Salem, which is Jerusalem. And if I can just read that to you to set things in context, Genesis 14, 17, sorry, 18, Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, That's the old word for Jerusalem, peace. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of most high God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all. This Melchizedek, he predated the order of the Levites that came with the law of Moses. And this is where Hebrews, chapter 5, chapter 2, and chapter 7, says that Jesus Christ is a priest. you know that? Jesus is a priest. Not not a Levitical priest. He's of the house of Judah. But Jesus himself is not just a priest. He is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The same priesthood as we've just read about the man who visited Abraham. And Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And he was king of Jerusalem. And we know that we are called a holy priesthood. In 1 Peter 2, chapter 4, it says we're a holy priesthood. In 1 Peter 2, chapter 9, it says we are a royal priesthood, a kingly priesthood, if we are believers. Well, what sort of priests are we? Well, we're not Levitical priests. We're not under law or under grace. And anyway, the Levitical priests that served in the temple, they, they weren't royal. They weren't kingly. They were priests, but they weren't kingly. But Melchizedek was a king and a priest. And Jesus was the high priest of Melchizedek. And that's what he's doing right now. Jesus, as I speak, is in the Holy of Holies before the Father, at the right hand of the Father, and he is doing his high priestly intercession ministry for us and for the Father's plan. Hebrews says that he lives evermore to make priestly intercession for us. You say, what is a priest? A priest goes to God on behalf of man and to man on behalf of God. The priest 
is the link. And so we are priests. Now, no wonder David got excited. Because he thought, Melchizedek, of course. I'm king of Jerusalem now. And Melchizedek was king of Jerusalem. He was a priest. And I'm a priest. It's the same order. I can bring the glory of God, the presence of God into Jerusalem. Not as a Levitical priest, but as one in the order of Melchizedek. It's interesting that when, uh, Abraham, when, when Melchizedek brought the bread and wine out to Abraham, that's a sign of the presence of God. You know that. Just like when our great high priest Melchizedek Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, what did he bring out? Bread and wine. It's, it's the Melchizedek order. And so David was excited about this. You can read this for yourself from 1 Chronicles 13. He, he went to get the ark. and There was two priesthoods in operation. The Levites went out to get the ark. And David went out to get the ark. The Levites were in their priestly ephods and their linen wear. And David was in a priestly ephod. If you read it, it's all there in 1 Chronicles 13. Ephod and priestly gear. There were two orders in operation at that moment. And the order of Melchizedek, which David was a priest in, that was a priesthood of grace and mercy and freedom. Remember David. David was a warrior priest. He was also a worshipper. He brought a worship revolution to Israel. He was up there in the mountains as a shepherd boy, and he was praising God, and his praise was instant, inspirational, prophetic, and intimate. It wasn't some Levite priest going and doing the ritual orders and lighting the candles and doing the censers and just going through the motions. This was worship from a man who knew God's heart. He brought a worship revolution into Israel. He was the first of the psalmists and raised up many more and musicians. And so the Levites are doing their job, but we see that David brings that, that ark right into Jerusalem. This is important because we're going to Acts in a minute. And I wanted to show you that the ministry of Melchizedek priesthood is right through the book of Acts. So he brings the ark into Jerusalem. And what does he do? It's all there in Chronicles. He builds a tent. In other words, he just builds a canopy. It's David's tent. And he puts the ark in this canopy. It's just a tent to keep the rain off it. And everybody can see the ark. The priests can see the ark. The people can see the ark. The young can see the ark. The old can see the ark. Women can see the ark. Men can see the ark. And if there was any foreign visitor who was there at the time, they could see the ark too. It was uncovered. And David leads the worship. And he is free in his worship. And they've got every manner of worship thing that you can think going on there. You know, the Levites, they had trumpets and stuff, but they, didn't, they weren't worshippers like that. They didn't have bands. And David is chief priest worshipper. And he is ministering to the Lord. That's what he's doing. He is so happy to be a priest. It's what he wanted to be all his life. And, and all that songs and psalms. And, and, he, and he was so disappointed he couldn't. But he's in front of the ark worshipping God. He's dancing. Dancing before the Lord. The anointing of God was on him. He was filled with the Spirit. He, he was worshipping in a, in a way that many of us in the New Testament 
have never even touched yet. Freedom. And his wife, the daughter of Saul, Michael, saw him and despised him. Now, what a wonderful priesthood that is. And you are a priest, a royal priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, when we go back to Acts, we had a look, didn't we, in Acts 15. And I've just said that that was the big council of Jerusalem. That was the turning point. That was the make or break for the expansion of the gospel to the Gentiles. And James, James, the most Jewish of all the uh, Christian leaders of the time, James says, this is that. This is the restoration of the tent of David. What's happening to the Gentiles? Now, remember the two priesthoods. In the priesthood of Levi, only one person, the high priest of Le the Levitical high priest, only one person could see the ark once a year. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. He had bells on his skirts so that they could hear he was still alive. And there was a big hook to pull him out if he died and God wasn't happy with him. One man, one day in the year, gets to see the glory of the Lord. Well, when David had that tent, everybody could see it. Everybody could see it. You didn't have to be a Levitical priest. You just had to believe and want to see. And if you wanted to see the glory, come up and have a look. And you can minister in front of the glory. Everybody saw it. And as soon as that uh, temple was built by Solomon and it was brought in, nobody saw it except one person. You see how the two priesthoods... And what we see in the book of Acts is this restoration of Melchizedek. Now, we call it the book of the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Some people say, well, really, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And that's a good title for it as well. That's true. But tonight, I want to call it the Acts of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is Jesus, of course. But also, I want us to just to, I could go through the whole book of Acts like this, but I want us just to sample the book of Acts as a record of true priestly ministry. True priestly ministry. And we start, and I'm just going to give you a flavor, but it's not going to go into depth in this, but we start in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. And when they had entered and went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, uh, and so, 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 uh, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Judas, son of James, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the brothers of Jesus. So what are they doing? Straight away it's priestly. Even before the day of Pentecost, what we've got? We've got believers. They are priests in the order of Melchizedek. And how are they spending their time? In intercession. They are coming to God as priests and they're seeking his face and they're ministering to him and they're bringing their requests Prayer is a priestly ministry. Intercession is a priestly ministry. And then, out of that priestly intercession comes the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound 
from heaven. You know the story. If you don't, read on. The Holy Spirit is poured out. You know, on the first day of Pentecost, the first Pentecost that ever took place in history, what, 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 what came on the first Pentecost that ever took place in history? What did it mark? It marked the coming of the law. Forty days after they had come out of Israel, it was the day of Pentecost. And on that day, they got the law. In other words, on that day, they got the priesthood of Levite, the whole law. But thank God we're not under law anymore because there's a new Pentecost. It happened in Acts chapter 2. And when the new Pentecost came, it didn't bring the law again, did it? It didn't bring Levi or the temple. What did it bring? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because our great high priest had got into the Holy of Holies. And because he was now ministering at the right hand of the Father in the Holy of Holies, our great high priest poured out the Spirit on his priests, on his believers. And they were filled with the Spirit and they were filled with the glory of God. There was no ark for them to find. They were the new arks. Because the New Testament says that if you're a believer here tonight, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what happened? They tumbled out of the upper room. They tumbled out. And they were all over the place. I mean, they were praising God. They were ministering to God. They were filled with the Spirit. And just like Michael mocked David, that Melchizedek priest of so long ago, they began to be mocked. Verse 13, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Why? It must have been something very similar to the dancing or actions of David. Their freedom in the spirit, their ministry to God, and the glory that was there. They were the glory. The glory was filling them. It wasn't in a box. So they were worshipping the Lord. It was like the last time that took place was when David had the ark in a tent. That was the last time that took place in Jerusalem. The very place where the tent was, the very place where Melchizedek, David, a king of Salem, Jerusalem, in this order, worshipped in the spirit, free, inspirational, ministering to the Lord as a priest, and now it's taking place all over again, and the same reaction to David, the Michael spirit, the sort of like, oh, what is this? you know, was taking place. And uh, he then, as a priest, as they're ministering to God, they then turn and minister to the people. Thousands are about to get saved. And interestingly enough, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 33, this is the sermon Peter is going to preach. Thousands of people are going to get saved. And he says this, Acts 2, verse 33, in his Sermon, or verse 32, let's start there. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. 
For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, now listen, recognize this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. We just read that. That's Psalm 110. Peter is saying, you know what's happening here today? It's Melchizedek. Do you know what's happening? Melchizedek is on the throne. And he's not talking about David because everybody thought, you see, everybody thought that this psalm was about David. And in a way, it was. You see, remember Jesus when he said about the Lord, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Remember Jesus in the Gospels? And everybody thought that that meant David. And, he, and, and Jesus is saying, how could it be David? How could it be David? It's talking about me. So, you see, everybody knew that Psalm 110 referred to David. It was common knowledge. Oh, yes, that's about David. He's Melchizedek. But even greater and more importantly, Jesus is saying, well, yes, David's in the order of Melchizedek, but this really is finding its fulfillment in me because David's not going to the Holy of Holies. I'm doing it. And so Peter is using this scripture to explain what's happening in Acts. He's saying this is the order of Melchizedek released in power and glory. And I don't need to go into Psalm 102 much. Uh, maybe one day I will. But that psalm says, rule in the midst of your enemies. You see, this priesthood that we have, it's to God, it's to man, but it has authority. You have authority. You are a royal priesthood. And you have authority. And in the book of Acts, we see great works of priesthood to God and to man. And we also see great acts of Melchizedek kingly authority. Great acts of authority. And I believe that part of God's plan for the end time church is that he is going to restore our understanding and our practice as royal priests of the order of Melchizedek. And so there's Peter saying, this is, this is what's going on here. In fact, this is what Jesus is doing right now. He's ministering to the Father. He's in intercession. And Jesus will only come when God has made all his enemies his footstool. All his enemies. I was, I was privileged to be in a car with R.T. Kendall. And he was talking about this most quoted passage in the New Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The most quoted passage of the Old Testament in the New. And he said, you know, Bruce, what I think that means? Because it says, I'll make your enemies, all your enemies under your footstool. Do you know what, I, before Jesus returns, I said, no. He said, well, it must mean death too. Because death is an enemy, isn't it? But not only is death the enemy, according to Corinthians, when Paul is speaking about resurrection of the dead, he says, death is the last enemy. So that makes sense that Jesus will come back just at the resurrection of the believers. That's the last enemy that's going to be conquered before Jesus returns. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then we that are alive will join them in the air. And then the last enemy has been placed under Jesus' feet. And he's going to come. And he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Let me just give you a, 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 a little bit more flavor of, of this, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 
42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. A picture of the life and community of the early church. Or a picture of the life and community of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is all believers. You hear what I'm saying? What did these priests do? Well, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in breaking of bread. Remember Melchizedek? Bread, wine. Remember Jesus' last supper? Bread, wine. They continued in the breaking of bread and in prayers, the priestly intercession. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs, authority, were done through the apostles. And verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, there it is, house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We've got a picture of parallel priesthoods again. The two priesthoods. Now there's only one legitimate priesthood right now in the book of Acts. And that's Melchizedek. Because the moment the day of Pentecost came, the Levitical priesthood ceased to exist before God. It still carried on until AD 70 when the temple was destroyed. But basically when Jesus died on the cross and the holies of holies was rent in two, the natural one, the Levitical priesthood finished. It was only a temporary measure, do you know that? The law was only a temporary measure until Jesus came. The Levitical priesthood was only a temporary measure. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, finished. God had no more use for animal sacrifice, grain sacrifice. Now he wanted spiritual sacrifice. The spiritual sacrifice that Hebrews 13, 15 speaks about. The fruit of our lips, our praise. Making known and proclaiming, as Peter says, the God that brought us out of darkness into light. And so, here they are. And it says, daily in one accord in the temple. So you've got, you've got these priests, the Levitical priests, going around doing their job, meaningless. But parallel to them, you have these New Testament believers, and they're in the temple too. They're not messing around in the, out, in, in, in the inner courts. They can't go in there anyway. They're not Levites. Well, some of them are going to be Levites. Some of the priests get saved and change order. They, they're not messing around with the lighting. They're not messing around with all that ceremonial ritual. It's meaningless. What they do in, they're praising the Lord in the, outer, the court of the Gentiles. They're praising God. They're glory carriers. They're praising God and they're proclaiming to man. It's the power and order of Melchizedek. And they're doing it on a daily basis. Because you're not just a priest on Sunday. You're not just a priest on Sunday. Oh, here we are. We're going to sing, worship the Lord and have a priestly... You're a priest every day. What I am describing to you is your primary job description on earth. You say... I'm a, I'm a believer, but I'm a fireman. You're a priesthood first. I'm working in a shop. You're a priest first. I'm a nurse. You're a priest first. You're a pre- this is your daily job description. In fact, you're a priest in the marketplace. 
as they were. You're a priest in the workplace. God has placed you there as a priest. And this city needs priests. I'm not talking about people walking around with dog collars. That's the wrong kind of priest. I'm talking about simple believers who love the Lord, who are ministering to the Lord on a daily basis. That's our first ministry to the Lord. Our ministry to the world comes out of our ministry to the Lord. The reason that often our ministry to the world is so ineffectual and weak is because we're not ministering to the Lord. If you, if you want to have a sample of great priestly ministry, we, had it, we, we, we touched on a priestly anointing last week in part of the service. But you want to know where I hear the priestly, the priestly ministry to the Lord in its most precious form in this building and when? It's around three, four o'clock down in the lower hall when the evangelists get together. And they start ministering to the Lord. And they're just pouring it on the Lord. They're ministering to the Lord because they're about to go out and minister to the world. And, the, and you can sense the anointing. I'm sitting there often in my room. I'm just listening. Because there's the priests are ministering to the Lord before they minister to mankind. It's the book of Acts in the lower hall. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying, therefore, if we're not down there, we're not priests. But I'm saying that is a, a great thing to have. But when you get up in the morning, we have to be a priest before we go to work. Because if we haven't ministered to the Lord, we're not going to minister to the mankind. That's, that's part of the reason that there's, there's so much ineffectual ministry in the marketplace. Because we're trying to minister in the marketplace as Christians, but God is saying, ah, me first. Me first. Oh no, Lord, we're trying to, no, no, it won't work. Me first. Minister to me, and then you'll have something to take. Oh, and, and sometimes, in this modern world of quick fix, fast food, instant, sometimes we don't realize the importance of ministering to the Lord. It's like we're ministering to the Lord. Got to get my tube. Ministering to the Lord. Or ministering to the Lord, got to get my tube. Ministry to the Lord is not just an end in itself, and even if it was, it would be the best end. Ministering to the Lord reminds you who he is and who you are. And let me tell you something, it's all about him. Now, I mean, it really is all about him. It's not about you at all. I mean, it's not about you in any shape, way, or form. I don't know whether we got that in our, in, in our minds through some of the songs we sing. It's about us. God created everything for his own glory, not our glory, his glory. He's not going to share his glory with anybody, not even the best of us. He's not going to share his glory with us. Why should he? He's God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And uh, his message, his message to heaven and earth is this. God's message to heaven and earth is this. It's all about me. It's all about me. Heaven, earth, everything in it, glorify the Lord, praise the Lord. It's all about me. That's what God's saying. And if anything in you go, oh, that's a bit arrogant. He's not a human being. If you've got problems with God saying it's all about me, it's because you think you're a God. You think you're in competition with God. There is no competition with God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The priest of Melchizedek was not the priest of the most low God. 
Now he humbled himself and came as a man in a manger, in a, and he came, the Son of Man came to serve. But I'm telling you what, it was Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God. Most High. We need, I tell you what, revival is not going to come until the Most High God gets back on our lips and our minds and our hearts. Not someone just a bit higher. Not someone, you know, my best mate, Jesus. Well, I hope he is. But he's also the most high God with the name that is above every other name. And it's the fear of the Lord that brings the power of God. There, there was the fear of the Lord when those priests, those Melchizedek priests, started walking around praising God under the anointing like David started proclaiming the word, having come out of the Holy of Holies, having come out the ministry of God, came with a word with anointing on it. People were scared of them. Why were they scared? They, some of them wouldn't even join the church. They were so scared of the believers. When, were you, when did you last scare a, an unbeliever? In the right way, in the right way. When, did you, when was somebody last scared of your prayers? When John Knox prayed, that witch Queen Mary shook in her shoes. She feared the prayers of Knox more than all the armies against her. She feared. And there was fear here. There was fear. There's only fear because <clears throat> there was authority. Kingly. You fear kings. Well, not, not kings today that don't have any power. But tell you about, go back a couple of centuries. If you didn't fear the king, you'd get your head chopped off. You feared the king. Why? Because the king or the queen had power. And, and you see this in the book of Acts. It's a note of Melchizedek, priestly authority, this, this kingly anointing. Now, Acts chapter 4, verse 25. They are praying. They are praying for boldness. I won't go through this prayer, but it's a great priestly prayer. A great priestly prayer. And they're crying out to God, You're God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them. Why do the nations rage and the kings... Play? See, right now they're putting God on the most high. Can you see that? So they begin in their priestly intercession. It's always a good place to start. Putting God where he is. Most high. Most high. Lord, your God who made the heavens and earth and all that's in them, why do the nations reign against you? And this is when they were under great pressure. Then they, they pray, look at their threats, verse 29, and grant your servants with boldness that they may speak your word. That's the priestly proclamation. Stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders made done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with the word of God with boldness, verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. See, the priestly intercession, the priestly worship. Uh, I, I just think of, of some of the other things that took place. Um, remember when Peter was in prison and the Melchizedek priests began to seek God and intercede and minister 
And an angel came and delivered him. Do you remember Paul, when he was thrown in prison with Barnabas in the midnight hour, and they began to sing songs? Do you remember that? And they, thought, they weren't just like, oh, let's sing a few songs of encouragement to lift our spirits. Let's sing a few songs, sing a few hymns. No, no, they were doing what priests do. And they were saying, well, we might be in darkness in this cell, beaten up and all this lot, but you know what? We're, we're priests, so we have to minister to God. So they began to minister to him. They began to worship him. They began to praise him, like Hebrews says. Began to praise him with the fruit of their lips out of an overflowing heart. Began to glorify him. And as they began to minister to the Lord, the Lord was moved and began to answer their worship and their prayer. And you know what happened. All the doors of the prison opened and then the jailer and his whole family got saved. They stoned Stephen because he was a priest of Melchizedek and he was given the history of the people of God. And what got him killed was the last bit when he said, God does not dwell in temples made by man. And they went ballistic. Why? Because it was a Melchizedek priesthood clash with the defunct, outdated, void Levitical priesthood. He had made a direct Melchizedek um, assault on the Levitical priesthood. He said, that temple is nothing. God does not dwell in it. Never really did. But God dwells in temples not made by hands. He dwells in his holy nation, the new priesthood. And as soon as he attacked the priesthood of Levite, they stoned him. That's when they got angry. It was priest against priest. And the power that was displayed. Ananias and Sapphira lie to God. Bang, they're dead. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise. Kingly authority. Power released. Someone falling asleep in the 7 o'clock service that Paul was preaching at, falls out the window, dies. Most preachers would have left him dead. Paul prays, raises him up again. It's not just power and preaching. and It's a whole priestly order. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the, and, it's, and it's David's order, and it's Abraham's order, and it's Jesus' order. We're a, we're a kingdom of nations and priests. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about in, in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. I'll just speak these verses, then I want to come in to a final thing. Uh, you see, what are we going to be when Jesus returns? We're going to be priests. So we ought to get, get practicing on the earth what we're going to be doing in the new Jerusalem. And do you understand that you, what's, what city are you a citizen of, according to the Bible? No, not... Well, heaven, yes. That's the nation, if you like. That's the country. But what city? The new Jerusalem. Hebrews is quite um, clear about this. There's a Jerusalem from above and a Jerusalem from below. And, there, and Paul is quite clear about this in uh, Galatians chapter 4 when he speaks about Isaac and Sarah on one side and the promise and faith. And on the other side, Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael, they are a picture of Sinai and the law and the present Jerusalem. 
But Isaac and Sarah, they are a picture of the Jerusalem that's going to descend from heaven. Do you know that? You are a card-carrying citizen of a heavenly Jerusalem. You say, well, why, does, why, why is that important? Because that's, where you're, that's your priestly home. Melchizedek, king of Salem. David in the order of Melchizedek, king of Salem or Jerusalem. You, a royal priesthood from the city of heavenly Jerusalem. And that's where we're operating out of your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's where the power is. That's where the blood is. That's where the sacrifice is. That's where Christ, high priest and sacrifice is right now in the holy of holies of the new Jerusalem pouring out power from his intercession, pouring out the spirit on his priests that are pilgrims in a foreign land. Pilgrims in a foreign land. Priests from another nation, a holy nation. Priests from another city walking in the earth, in this city of London to do priestly business for God and and raise up a tabernacle, a Davidic tabernacle of praise for God in this city and to proclaim the glories of God to the Gentiles and those that have not heard that we might swell our ranks with priests because there's not enough priests and the priests that we have are not functioning according to the order that they've been in. I don't know whether it's not they've not been trained in priesthood. You know, at least in Star Wars, the Jedi priests trained up their little ones. Some of them turned dark. But we are priests. Is it that we don't know we're priests or we don't know our priestly function? Are we like Luke Skywalker walking along, not knowing that he's got some sort of force? Well, we don't have a force. We have the power of the Holy Spirit as a person. But God wants to awaken that in us and awaken our priestly ministry. You can turn things around through your praise. You can turn things around through your prayer. You can give authority declarations. You can, there's times, I don't know if there's been in your life, there's been times in my life, I haven't quite understood what they are, when something comes upon me and I'm no longer interceding or praying, I'm declaring. I'm speaking under an unction. And my prayer to the Lord has turned to speaking to the circumstance, speaking to the nation, speaking to the person, declaring, declaring what as a priest, a priest, a priest of righteousness, not mine but his, a kingly priest coming from the Jerusalem that can't be destroyed, that doesn't have the dome of the rock, some mosque in the center of the heavenly Jerusalem, it's got the glory of God in the center of the heavenly Jerusalem. We don't have to worry about a new temple replacing an old mosque in Jerusalem. God's not going to do any of those things. There's going to be no rebuilding of a third temple. That's not God's plan. The temple is here. It's you. It's me. There's going to be no rebuilding of the Levitical order. The Levitical order is over. We are God's priests. We are the priesthood of God. God is going to pour out acts of the apostle power on us. Revelation says this, Revelation 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, 
to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he's coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Look at this in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, and this is the redeemed, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Remember on the day of Pentecost they came out praising God? It was heard in every language. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And, you, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And this is where I want to end in, in, in Revelation 7, 8. Revelation 7, Revelation 8. Revelations 8. I want to show you a picture of priestly ministry. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. We could have the worship team coming up and getting ready, thanks. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, now listen to this. And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayer of all the saints which was upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This is in heaven, my friends. This is priesthood. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thundering, lightnings, and an earthquake. What is this? This is the power of our prayers in priestly imagery. In other words, when we minister to the Lord, when we minister to him in praise and worship, and when we intercede, our prayers and our intercession and our worship in heaven, I'm speaking in heavenly terms, has a actual substance. See, how can praise have a substance? Well, faith has a substance. It ha prayers and praise done in faith has an actual substance in heaven. And an angel collects that substance. It's right there in Revelation. And he puts it on the altar of altars. On the altar in the fire, the fire of God in heaven. And it's mixed with incense, which is a picture of worship and prayer, mixed together, worship and prayer. And guess what? It ascends before God. We need, and I, I am not criticizing any worship group, any worship, any, I'm not criticizing anything. When I say this, I'm looking ahead, not behind. We need worship and worshipers that understand that the words that come out of their mouth appear 
before the eyes of the Most High God. That what we can do together in ministering to the Lord ascends. Remember, the Levitical order, although it's passed away, is a picture of heavenly realities. The praise and the incense, your worship. It's not about singing songs about God. It's not about singing nice songs. Oh, I like that song, don't like that song. It's not about singing songs about God. It's not even about singing songs to God. You can sing a romantic song to your girlfriend or your wife. You can sing a song. It's not about, it's not about singing songs. It's about ministry to God the Most High. And He receives ministry. This is the most incredible thing. Not that God ministers to us, but that we have a priestly anointing where we can minister to God Himself. It takes on form in heaven. And then what happens? Another angel comes along and takes from the altar our prayers and the incense and it comes back to earth. What goes up comes back down. When you start praising the Lord, when you start ministering to Him, He begins to send peals of thunder, flashes of lightning from the spiritual realm. Fire from the heavenly court of God begins to manifest on the earth and people get saved and people get healed and people get delivered from demons and something happens amongst God's people and things begin to shake and things begin to shake in our lives and change comes and atmosphere changes and God is back on the march and the priests are back on their feet back ministering to God and then power comes and human beings just they can't cope with that power because it becomes overwhelming overcoming glory of God spilling out into the streets like on the first day of Pentecost as they'd been ministering to the Lord all those days now the fire fell tongues of fire now the power came now the wind blew now the spirit flew now the anointed worship and manifestations of glory on people making them drunk they could hardly stand so much glory so much power so much anointing strange things beginning to take place things that people don't understand laugh at mock at but God will save the thousands this is the priesthood of Melchizedek now just for 10 minutes or so let's sample that priestly anointing again just stand on your feet and just begin to praise the Lord mix it with faith just where you are begin to glorify him prophesy to him who he is and his greatness thank him for his mercy no tongues English thank him for whatever natural language I want him to hear you I want you to describe who he is to him and pour it on him and that priestly anointing is going to kick in end time worship is like the sound of many waters that's what it sounds like I've heard it in a vision in a dream the sound of many waters I know what it sounds like it's a sound of many waters it just begins to pour just pour it on him you say I don't I'm tired then it's a sacrifice of praise remember if there's no sacrifice in it 
It's, there's got to be a sacrifice in it. There's got to be a push. There's got to be a, an effort. It's not an effort from the flesh, but it's a sacrifice of praise. Tell him who he is. Glorify him. Pour it on him. Thanksgiving. You can't do it with your mouth shut. It's not about you right now with all greatest respect. It's not about you receiving. It's got nothing to do with what you receive. It's about what he gets. Give it to him. Give it to him. Minister to him. Holy Spirit, come with a priestly anointing, the anointing. Help us minister to God most high. Don't let your mind hold you back. I don't feel like it. Kill the flesh. I don't want to. Flesh cannot appear before the throne of glory. Crucify and release. Minister to the Most High God, worthy of all praise. King of the universe, Redeemer of mankind. Ruler of the nations, creator of glory, who sits in the heavens and laughs. All glory is yours, all power is yours, all history is yours. The morning is yours and the evening is yours. The day is yours and the night is yours. The seas are yours and the mountains are yours. The nations are yours and the cities are yours. All things come from you and all things belong. And we give you praise as priests, as priests in the order of Melchizedek, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. We praise you and extol you the wonders of God, the majesty. Angels minister to you, and we minister to you, Lord. All glory, all power belongs to you. The Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. The mighty God, almighty, all-powerful, all-wonderful, all-merciful, all-gracious, all-knowing. That's who you are. As we praise you, we put ourselves in the right position. Priests on earth, praising the God most high in heaven. It's not about us, Lord. It's about you. King of the universe, center of all things. All things were made by you. And all things are for you. And the heavens declare your glory. The seas declare your glory. Nature declares your glory. We declare your glory. History declares your glory. The church declares your glory. The animals give you praise. The birds sing praise to you. The fish give praise to you. The trees sway and give praise to you. The baby in the mother's arm gives praise to you. 
The stars shine praise. The sun shines praise. The moon reflects praise to you. The heavens declare your glory. Earth reflects your presence. You're seated in glory until you make the enemies of your son his footstool. You're at work building the tent of David. The tent of David that the Gentiles and the unbelievers might come to the glory of God unveiled. Not one man, one day, one year in a man-made temple in a wooden box, but the glory of Almighty God in the temple of the Spirit. Glory and honor, power and praise belongs to you. It belongs to you. What we give you tonight belongs to you. May it be acceptable before you in these vessels of clay. May we carry your praise to the throne of glory. Could it be that the praise of this house tonight is rising in the spiritual realm into the heavenlies? Could it be that the angels of God are gathering your praise and your worship and your declarations and giving it to the Lord of God of High, most high God, far above every name that can be named, every false God and every false God's name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess the greatness of the name which is above every name, Jesus. We glory in your name, Jesus. There's power in your name, Jesus. You are the great high priest. Your hands are lifted to before the Father. And out of your mouth comes praise. And out of your mouth comes declaration. A kingly anointing. A priestly anointing. Oh, let it flow. Let it flow. We ask for your priestly anointing. Melchizedek, pour out your anointing on your end time church. Give us some of your priestly anointing clothed in priestly garments clothed in the priestly garments of Jesus as you are in heaven so we are carriers of your body the body of Christ on earth the body of Melchizedek on earth the priesthood of all believers we worship you we glorify you we praise you, Lord. We declare your glory to the nations. We declare your glory over London. He's King, he's Lord. Worthy of all praise. Glory and honor. The Lamb that was slain, worthy to open the books of history. Worthy to open the books of the future purchased for himself a kingdom of priests out of every nation every tribe male and female old and young out of every race and every language the voice of Melchizedek out of the church sounds before the throne of God a kingly anointing a priestly anointing 
to rule, kingdom rule, a kingdom anointing, a kingdom not just of believers, but a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, pouring on us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Visit your people, Holy Spirit. Stir us in these days. Something's happening in these days. God, you're doing, you're, you're, you're raising up the tent of David, the tabernacle of David. You're breathing fresh life. We need more priests, Father. More priests. Let them run. Let the let them run from darkness into light. We call the priests of Melchizedek, not yet born again into the priesthood. We call them to be born again. Come forth in this house. Priests of Melchizedek, come out of your darkness, out of your sin. We declare the word of the Lord. You're appointed to salvation. Join this house. Join this band of priests. Born into the priesthood of Melchizedek, we call you in the spirit. We call you. Priest your priesthood in this city. Holy Spirit, bring power to increase your priesthood in this city. Oh, raise it up, Lord. Your priesthood lies in tatters. It's priesthood crown in the gutters of Europe. Your priesthood in dirty rags like Joshua coming out of Babylon with the smoke of Babylon on him. Joshua the priest in Zechariah with the dirt of Babylon in him. With the idolatry of Babylon on him. Oh God, call your church in Britain and Europe out of Babylon. Call your church out of Babylon like you called Joshua the high priest out of Babylon. And give us a new turban and give us a new ring of authority. Cleanse us by your spirit. Cleanse us of our filth and purify yourself. The people call to priest and minister. Oh God, a brand plucked from the fire May the Church of Europe be a brand plucked from the fire out of the accuser's hand. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and your accusations over the priesthood of Europe. Is this not a brand? How many brands plucked from the fire have we got in here tonight? How many Joshua's coming out of Babylon? Babylon thinking and Babylon stinking. We're going to come out. God's going to deliver his people. We're going to raise up the tabernacle of David, the tent of David, in our lives and in this ministry. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Just let it settle on you right now. It's the last thing we're going to do. We're not going to sing. I don't feel led to sing any songs. I just, I just want us to rest on you. Lord, let the revelation of this end time truth, let it go deep in our consciousness and hearts. We are priests. 
let that priestly anointing, and we know we're just touching tiny little bits of it right now, but God, let it increase in these days in our lives. Raise up a tabernacle of David, a tent of David, in this house, that the glory of God would be seen not just behind closed doors, closeted lives, but as we minister to you, the glory will cause us to spill out of the upper room like our forefathers spilled out of the upper room in the book of Acts. Make us a people of the new book of Acts, Lord. Same God, same priesthood, same spirit, same word. May we be the same people. Look not at our weaknesses, but look at your strength and your grace, we pray. May God bless you. May his favor be upon you. May his face shine upon you. May his mercy be with you as you shut your eyes to sleep this week. And the moment you open your eyes, may his mercy fall upon you again. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, priests of God. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, leaders are leaders net this Wednesday.